Shannon comes to us from Syracuse, New York. She's about to enter her freshman year this fall at Franciscan University of Steubenville, hoping to study political science and theology. In the midst of chronic illness, Shannon lives as a Christian who is passionate about finding zeal in life despite the hardness that she sometimes endures. You can find her blog online at sickgirlchronicles.wordpress.com and on Instagram at crps.fighter.shannon. This is a Nogi's Love Story. I have dealt with different chronic illnesses, but around eight months ago, I actually became really sick and unable to eat anything. I was in severe stomach pain and no one knew why. Um, and so I kind of went around to all of these doctors and all these specialists. I went to, to Cleveland, to Rochester, all of these places all over the East coast. And everyone said, we don't know what's wrong with you. Like, basically you just have to live like this. And I, you know, for weeks that went on and I was literally like melting away. And I was like, you know, God, like if you were really with me and you really love me, like you gave us the gift of science and medicine for a reason, like, why can't we figure this out? Um, And so, you know, I became really kind of into myself. Um, You know, I kind of just wanted to be by myself because I was so sick. I was in so much pain and no one knew why. And, you know, I was just exhausted going through this battery of tests and, you know, nothing was showing up and they were rather painful. And I just was really exhausted. And I was like, you know, Lord, like, where are you? Like, I was kind of in like the Lazarus moment, you know, like, Lord, if you were here, my brother wouldn't have died. Like, you know, Lord, if you were here, like this wouldn't be happening. Um, and so, you know, we ended up with a surgeon in Connecticut, um, and we walked in his office and I was like, maybe this will be it. Maybe he'll be able to tell me what's wrong with me, why I haven't been able to eat and why I'm so sick and can't breathe and all these issues. And within five minutes, he looked at me, he's like, I know it's wrong with you. And I want to sit there and cry. I was like, what? Like, it sounds so like strange. Like, oh yeah, we found something that's wrong with you or oh, whatever. But like, I wanted to cry. He's you actually, you have a, a rare condition called median arcuate ligament syndrome. It's like, okay. Um, so what was actually going on is that, uh, I was born with this, um, congenital anatomy, um, where my diaphragm was born low. So my celiac artery, which brings blood to all of your, your organs, um, your stomach, all these things just wasn't getting blood. And so all of the nerves around the artery were really damaged. And that's why I couldn't take a deep breath, why I couldn't eat. Um, and he said, I can help you. And I looked and I was like, no, like there's no way he said. Yeah. So I ended up having, um, I waited around eight months. I had to go on a feeding tube because I was so malnourished and I ended up getting surgery around three months ago to correct it. And the pain has been gone since. Um, and so that was just a time in my life where I doubted God because I was like, you know, Lord, like if you were here, like, why can't we figure this out? And then I just became very hopeless and everything. Like, you know, why can I hope in the fact that, you know, Jesus rose from the grave when this grave feels too deep? Um, and, you know, obviously it was during the pandemic. So that didn't help with the lack of, you know, access to the sacraments and, you know, things like that, the, the tangible physical presence of the Lord. And it was a really dark time. And it was really kind of interesting how it affected my family's faith life because, you know, we just kept praying and praying and praying. And then she was like, why are we keep, like, why are we still praying? Like this must be what God wants. God just wants me to like say you're and die. Like, you know? Um, so I found that really kind of fascinating. And I think one of the things that really kind of stuck out to me is the community that I had found. Um, you know, with this rare diagnosis, it, um, really led me to 
make these really deep connections within the mouse community. And they're people who I consider like family. And, you know, I think it's really fascinating because, you know, I doubted this love of God and I felt so alone. And I feel like in a way he showed up and was like, I'm real and the people around you, like you can't feel me right now. And maybe your heart's not open and ready to feel me, but I'm going to let you feel the love of the people around me. And I'm going to kind of speak through that. Well, and I think, you know, throughout that time, I knew he was real and I knew he loved me, but it was like, I was just having this mental block. So like, I knew he was there, but maybe, you know, my heart didn't want to think that, that some good God was here in that time. But I think, you know, that moment when it really broke through and became, you know, like really tangible to me again was, you know, and I don't, I don't honestly know if I can pinpoint it to one specific moment. I think it was kind of this idea that like, there's life after this. And I think hearing that um, and really like finding that community, I think is really when I was able to see that like, I was not just like a drop of water in the ocean. There were lots of other drops of water around me, you know? And I think seeing that like the Lord was forming like people around me and forming me and he was teaching me to be patient and to kind of grow in a lot of, you know, learning a lot. I had to learn a lot because I had to figure out what, what am I dealing with, you know? And I think his love broke through almost in me feeling a little bit more control. And I know we're supposed to surrender control to God, but I think him giving me a little bit of like the rope back and kind of, that was really the moment where I felt hope again. And I truthfully think if I can pinpoint it to one specific moment, although I don't know how specific it is, it was, I think when we finally figured out what was going on, because I think then I was like, okay, God, you came through. Like I knew you would, and I never doubted that he would come through. But like here in this moment, I can say that like you did. And even though maybe I didn't want to believe that you would, maybe I didn't, you know, maybe I just thought that no one ever figured out. Like it was just kind of a moment of like, wow, your your providence is real. And that, you know, your love is is real. And then maybe you let me feel those doubts so that you can, so I can see that you do always come through. You know, the first thing that comes to my heart is this idea that like for the longest time, you know, before I really had my reconversion moment, I didn't know what that meant. Like, you know, I knew that there was a good God there who loved me, but I think when I really owned it and my reconversion moment at a sumo conference, I was able to really call myself beloved and own that identity. And I think, you know, that identity truly means that like I can be as I am and that like I don't have to show up to God in some perfect way. And that like, even though I feel alone in, you know, maybe different circumstances or maybe, you know, living out my faith or, you know, whatever it may be, I think it's just this idea that like, I'm really not. And, you know, I think about the breakdown of the word beloved, like be love in there, like, you know, and I think this idea, like we are loved so much, like God literally died for us. But I think it's also important to be that love to others. And I think looking at it from that lens, just this idea of like, you know, there's this fire in your heart. So, you know, you don't light a lamp and hide under a bushel basket. So I think it's just kind of this idea of like, God gave us this gift you know, and we're beloved so good that we can go and spread this message to imperfect people like striving for sainthood and like be that love for others and then just spread it. Uh, I mean, for me, I think I experienced a lot of his love through praise and worship music. I think that's a way that he really speaks to my heart. I think because it's a way of, you know, maybe when my feet, when I, I don't have words for my feelings or emotions or, you know, it's like these words just kind of speak to my soul. And I think he kind of just fills me a little love and grace through that. And I think nature is a huge way for me too. You know, when you just are driving in the morning, you see this beautiful like sunrise. It's like, okay, like today's going to be a good day. Um, And you know, the idea that like God made all of this creation and like, 
you know, he made the sunrise and the sunset and, you know, the, the canyons and the mountains. And then like, he created us, he created me and is like, you are very good. Like, what does that say about my identity? Like, I just love kind of the way creation just gives glory to him. Yeah. And I, I love this question. I think we've all been there. And I think that would be my encouragement that like, we have been there before. And that like, you may think that is like just making everything worse, but the idea that like the saints had been there, like Jesus himself had been there in the garden. And he was like, God, like, I don't want to, like, I don't want to go through this crucifixion, but it's about your will. And I think that's one of the biggest encouragements to me, because if, if the Lord and savior who literally conquered death had been there and like rose victoriously that like we can too. And that like, you know, even though Jesus you know, was perfect and without sin, like he still felt that feeling. And I think that we can run to him with those feelings. And I think when you're going through times of doubting that he's love and, you know, it's easy to forget his identity as like Abba, as like dad, um, who wants to just like wrap us in his embrace. And I think I would encourage that person to really run to that embrace and to really like bring those questions. Because I think some of those times when I brought those big questions to the Lord, even though I sometimes felt worse after because I was like, I didn't feel like I got any answer, like to put them in his hands, he can do great things. But I think truthfully, the best encouragement I can give is that like other people have been there before and other people have like kind of carved a path for you, even like the savior of the world had carved a path. So you truly aren't alone on that journey. Thank you for listening to Shannon's story. I would love to share your story as well. Please connect with us on social media or by clicking on the join us link at knowhis.love.